the feeling of excitement and nervousness are actually pretty intertwined. So whenever I'm feeling just like anxious or nervous or kind of scared about leaping and doing something, reaching out to someone, what have you, I think, oh, maybe this is excitement, not nervousness. And I trick my brain into feeling really excited about it instead of nervous or stressed or fearful of it. So I think if you could harness kind of the power of that inner motivation there, it could be quite fun to actually step into those unknowns. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom. And whatever your goals are, together, we're making them a reality. Before I entered this world of business, I worked in the wine industry and specifically in sales and marketing, typically, and from a strategic and data analytics level. For some of you that aren't into that world, you're like, what in the world did she just say? But during that time, before I had my first son, I managed one of our second label's tasting rooms. And so it was up to me to plan events, get the catering, and really hit all of our different marketing strategies. And events at that time was one of them. I searched high and low to find the really right type of catering for specific events that we had that fit within our budget and had a great vibe. And I found one out in the middle of nowhere, Lauren Kirshner. And we've stayed connected since then. She has done events for me now for Mama Has Goals at our launch event. She did these adorable little personalized little cheese and charcuterie boxes for everyone. She has done events in the wine industry that I've done. And I've spoken now at her events and we've stayed connected in all these different areas. I absolutely love the transition that we've created from that, from just someone that I found online to help support a business that I was working for. And today we're going to talk through what Lauren's life has looked like and all the different things that she has pursued and the different parallels that we see in the hospitality industry and motherhood, because there are actually quite a few. And you get a fun story at the beginning of me finding some things in my hair. Lauren owns a suite of hospitality concepts located in Sonoma Valley wine country including Goodness Gracious Catering, Songbird Parlor, and Valley of the Moon Kombucha. And after culinary school, she moved to the famous Napa Valley to learn from the best chefs in the world with the dream to become a famous chef of her own. And it was when she started her first business that she realized she wanted to spend her life on the business side of the industry, specifically in creative business development, partnerships, collaborations, and we break that down. Her businesses have grown exponentially since launch in 2017, And she's been recognized as a top businesswoman in the area, winning North Face 40 under 40 at the age of 32 and 23 to watch in 2023, a year later. I absolutely love this conversation. We talk about what it's looked like for Lauren to be a stepmom, stepping into that role, navigating multiple businesses, even when she was still an employee, how to get started if you've ever wanted to open a kitchen or cook, different things like that. This is such a in-depth, multifaceted conversation that I cannot wait for you to see yourself in. Lauren, I'm super excited to chat with you. Before we jumped on, I have to tell you, I looked in the mirror and I had this like thing in my hair and I was like, what is that? And I grabbed it out and it was this like soft cheese I put on my sandwich for lunch today that somehow ended up in my hair. And I was like, this is actually perfect because I'm about to go record with Lauren and I feel like Working in the restaurant industry and hospitality is so many parallels with motherhood where it's just like this beautiful chaos and like 
at the end of the day, you're like, what is in my hair? How did that get to here? Like, I don't even understand what happened. <laughs> What's that smell? So it just reminded <laughs> me of my days back in the restaurant industry and how you navigate all of these different things. And so now that you've stepped into this role of stepmom and you have a little more extra beautiful chaos in your life alongside all your many businesses, as we catch everyone up to speed on your story, I'd love to hear some of the parallels over the last two years that you've seen in mom life and hospitality. It's loud. (laughs) There's a lot of dancing. I eat leftovers practically only, or I'm like eating scraps off of people's plates. No, but there's really, it's a lovely dance, a beautiful chaos, as you put it. You kind of get into this routine and you end up being like this team that can work really well together, even though it is loud and dirty and greasy. And we call it the dance in the kitchen. Now it's more like dancing to Moana and prison (laughs) but it's fun it's carefree in a way but a lot of work if you're you have to work at it you have to work at being structured and organized and productive but also have fun and have self-care incorporated into it so more parallels than I, I really thought I love that you brought that into the conversation yeah, I was thinking about it. It took the cheese in my hair today. <laughs> I was like, you know what this is so perfect actually. Yeah. And, you know, you're one of the few people that has lived in both versions of my professional life, where back when I was working in the wine industry and I was managing a tasting room, you came in and did some catering for events that we did. And now we've connected into this other world together. And you've always been really multidimensional. You've always had your hands in multiple things. But I'd love to hear a little bit about the recent transition from more of the culinary side to the creative business development. And really what brought you to make that kind of bigger transition where I would say the transitions you've made previously have been little pivots, right? Mm -hmm. They all kind of connect together. And this one's a little bit bigger. Yeah, it was it really was more of a natural evolution. It wasn't like one day I was like, I want to get out of being in the kitchen, working in restaurants, catering. I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm just going to outsource all of that. It was definitely more of a natural evolution, but there definitely was like an aha moment that transpired. It happened right around the beginning of the pandemic, but I was a private chef. I was the only employee really besides my servers that I had to help me for events, but I was doing everything. I thought I'd go into business and I would be busy and make all this money. And I did for a while, but I was also working 60, 70 hours a week. And I just felt like, this is crazy. I was up all night, up early, and I just wasn't sure how to proceed with hiring someone. What would they do? How how would I pay them? I don't have an office necessarily. I needed a bigger kitchen. I just didn't know how to make that investment. So when the pandemic happened, I had a little bit of downtime. And so I decided to work with a productivity coach that was introduced to me through another networking group. Her name's Renee. She's this very talented, very supportive friend, but also a productivity coach. And I think I just did a month, like four or six sessions with her. And it just became really clear on how to organize a business and prioritize self-care, the art of productivity, just kind of stepping back and looking at the business from the outside in rather than just being in the chaos of it and trying to figure it out. Being a private chef or a caterer isn't the same as being a business owner, really. So I ended up 
being able to understand the business. And I just discovered I really enjoyed that part of it. I was able to structure my day and hire some help and work on the business more. And I realized it's actually a very creative job. It's a very creative pursuit doing this. I was worried that I wouldn't have a creative outlet if I wasn't cooking so much. But I realized it's like a ton of creativity. And I love it. And I've just been getting better and better at it. And I've dedicated just like I, I did to my culinary craft. I've been going to school. I've been reading, meeting really cool women like you that have their own businesses as well. And so now I full time do business development and marketing strategies and all of that creative stuff. Yeah. And you've had some great accolades within not just the hospitality industry, not even just Sonoma in general. You've taken on, you know, top businesswoman in the area, North Bay 40 under 40, so many different things that you've been able to bring on. And so when someone that's maybe been in the hospitality industry or isn't familiar with business, here's you say, yeah, I'm doing business development now and I'm not as focused on that, but you still have these other businesses. Give us a little peek into not even the day by day, because I don't think that that's really how someone's life operates. It's more week by week. What does kind of a week in the life look like and where are you wearing these different hats? Gosh, yeah. So when I said creative business development, that's something that I do a lot and I have something I work on week by week. For example, when people come to visit wine country, they want to have the best experience possible. They want to leave feeling like they experienced something amazing and they'll have memories to last a lifetime. And so I'm tasked with how can we provide that? And we do our private chef experiences, but then there's so many other wonderful ways to experience Sonoma Valley. So I brainstorm whether it's partnerships, collaborations, just a straight up offering a new service like our yoga and brunch and bubbles or like a farm experience, something like that. So I'm just brainstorming how to elevate our our business, our services. And this is for your business organization as well as others, right? Like you come in as a supportive role to a different business and say, hey, here's some opportunities that I see for you in this area. And then you also have your businesses that you're the owner of. And you say, here's how we're going to provide that our services at our business. And I'm going to bring in a team to do that because you're not necessarily executing very much of it anymore. You're more on the CEO business side. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Like recently we have, so we have our event venue Songbird Parlor and we host micro weddings and corporate events and what have you, but it's, it's empty most of the day during the week. So I reached out to a local company, Sonoma Yoga. Jess Williams is also an amazing woman entrepreneur. So they're renting out the space twice a week for their yoga. So now they're able to offer like an up valley location for their yoga in addition to their downtown location. And then we get the income from that and they get additional clients, things like that. I'm doing all the time. Yeah. So fun. So you moved into the wine area, Napa Sonoma area, and didn't really know a lot of people here. And now you've taken on so many collaborations, so many partnerships. You've really built a team personally and professionally to surround you that you've supported others and they've supported you. How did you first get started? For someone that's maybe like, that sounds great, but I don't have the network to create that success. 
You didn't either. And then you created it. So what are some of the baby steps going back to Lauren moving to California? What were some of the very first steps that you took to start cultivating your personal brand and your network? Oh, my gosh. I joined at the Chamber of Commerce. I to this day, I can't remember who suggested that or if I just knew that was a thing that business owners did. But the dues were pretty reasonable. And so I joined and I remember my first networking event. Oh my goodness. I had someone a little more versed in this kind of thing come with me, a friend. She was like my wing woman. And I didn't know how to talk about what I was doing or who I was. What's my brand? I didn't, I just didn't know how to talk to people about it. I didn't know anybody. Of course, here in Sonoma, you know, it's could be intimidating. It's some titans that live here in the wine industry and and whatnot. And so like, how does this 26, 27 year old woman connect with these business people? I just kept going to the mixers and our town is just adorable, by the way, but very small. We had, there was like two or three people working at the chamber. So I just got to know them and they were super sweet and gave me opportunities to just market my company for me and lead me, steer me in the right direction to people I might want to know. And I just kept going to those. And then word of mouth marketing kind of just kicked off. I got my first few jobs and then they told their friends and they told their friends. And before I knew it, I was working with a handful of wineries, such as the one you were at and the museum and all sorts of places. And it just snowballed from there. I think I just got really comfortable talking about what I do and who I am. And it was fun. You start to become kind of friends with everyone in town. It's one of those towns you can walk around and just say hello to everyone you walk by pretty much. (laughs) Very hospitality town and not just in the tourism, but the people that live and work here as well. Now, it's easy to be where you're at now and say, yeah, it all just snowballed. But I'm sure along the way, there were moments where you were like, am I ever going to get this off the ground? Am I ever going to have a client call? Am I ever going to be able to do this? What did that actual timeline look like when you were in it? Were there were there really hard moments? How long did it take of showing up to the Chambers events before finally passing out a business card actually mattered and did something with it? Or did it happen pretty fast? Was it fast success or was it a little slow? I was working full-time as an executive chef at a winery when I started my business. Those overlapped for about a year. It was when the the 2017 fires happened here that uh, the winery in Glen Ellen, I was closed for a while for repairs and whatnot. And it was perfect timing for me to just go off and do my business on my own. And it was scary at first, of course, but I kind of was like scrappy about it. Like I had some private, like personal chef clients that I worked with, like where I'd prepare meals for them at home. I had like little side gigs here and there while I was building the private chef business. But, you know, I think it went pretty fast. I would say after a year of that, like personal chefing for some families in town on the side, within a year, I was getting enough inquiries that I needed I didn't want to turn them down. So I had another chef come on. Her name's Brandy. She's actually my general manager now, seven years later. She's had three kids since. So it's it's been cool to see her evolution too, from a chef to a mom manager. But yeah, and so then she was busy and then we got an office. This is all just within two years, two and a half years. I think I had that office, which is cool. We had our sign out there and everything. I felt very real. But we just used yeah. it kind of for storage and I would go to work with my it felt so fancy having an office. <laughs> and then within six months, we were 
getting into our own brick and mortar kitchen and event venue. So that's all between 2017 and 2020, really. And I remember a period in between there where you were in kind of like a, I'm going to call it a co-op kitchen space where you could like go in and prepare things there. I think I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because I think it's a really cool opportunity for someone that wants to get into this space. They can't do it in their home. And I know there's so many cool ways that you can get started that people don't know exist without getting like your own big kitchen. Tell me a little bit more about that space and how someone that's like, oh, I have this idea, but I can't just like, you know, get a huge kitchen to myself or a huge restaurant. What are some of those baby steps? Yeah, and, and I've helped a handful of kind of small artists and producers get on on this path. But it's called a commissary kitchen, and most major cities have at least a, a few when you rent it out by the hour. But what's nice about it is that they carry all of the licensing and de- the health department certifications and everything. So you yeah. just have to fill out really a pretty simple form that you sign in the commissary kitchen signs, and then you're kind of good to go. And they provide, depending on what you need, you can shop around. But the one that I had in Petaluma had all of the cooking equipment, stoves, ovens, walk-ins, three-compartment sink, standing mixers, pretty much all the tools and everything you need, counter space. So it was pretty easy to get in, pay by the hour. Gosh, I remember they charge a lower rate if you're between the hours of 9 p.m. and 5 a.m., so, of course, I spent some of those <laughs> first few months trying to, uh, you know, save every penny and work through the night. So you can they're open 24-7 usually. You know, you can go when you need to. But I think that's a great way to get started. I know quite a few businesses that are really successful now and do have their own kitchens, and they started that way. There also is something called the Cottage Food Act that does allow you to prepare some things in your home. So that's worth looking into if you think you might have a product that fits under that umbrella. Yeah. And I remember when you were in that space, what was really cool about that one specifically is there was also like an event area connected to it. So you could have people like me host something there and your kitchen was right there. It made it super easy to execute. Now, when you're looking for opportunities, whether it's in motherhood, life, personally, business, Sometimes you haven't seen anyone that's done it before. And I feel like this has shown up for you in quite a few things that you've done where you're like, I'm going to figure out a solution. I'm going to find a path, a way to do this. And I haven't seen anyone else do it. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to figure it out. I'd love for you to speak to what are some of the skill sets that you feel like you just have innately and those that you've built to be able to like have that curiosity and perseverance to push forward. And for someone that is feeling like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this goal. How am I going to be a stepmom? I don't know anyone that's a stepmom. How am I going to make this decision and move forward? How do you step into something that you don't see someone else being successful with yet, that you don't have a path? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's curiosity and perseverance, really. It keeps coming back to, uh, I guess you can say it's being curious or just having a love of learning and just being really passionate about it. As a business owner, I don't have a boss to turn to. I have to figure it out on my own. And I like that. I like being in control. (laughs) So I think that I feel like I can control my destiny a bit being a business owner. I'm not beholden to someone else. But definitely a lot of passion and getting help from others. I'm not afraid to ask for 
help? How do I do this? How do I, you know, get on a podcast or how do I approach a bank about an investment opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's curious, but I like very excited. It's just very exciting for me to do that. Yeah. yeah. As you're stepping into the mom role, I guess you're not stepping in. You've been stepped in for a while now. What are some ways that you try to implement that as like a family culture? I think it's so important to really create that culture for our kids of, hey, you might not know how to do this yet, but we're going to find a way to do it. And you can ask for help, but like keep trying, put yourself out there. And, you know, your boyfriend's girls are at this really pivotal age there, seven and 10, where that's like a really important time to have some of those skills. Is there something that you consciously do to help cultivate that for them? Or is it more just leading by example? A lot of leading by example, but I definitely, I like to say I can do hard things. You can do hard things is something that we talk about a lot. They'll see me come back in the morning freezing morning that I just ran eight miles. <laughs> <laughs> and so just setting a good example and getting them out and experiencing as many different things as they can. Even if we don't go skiing regularly and you're a great skier, we'll still go just to see what it's like, you know, and if it works for you, it, it doesn't, we can go more often. If it doesn't, we can try skateboarding or biking, yeah. but just introducing them to a lot of different opportunities. That's how I like to live my life. It, I think it just creates, ultimately it creates a lot more just like connections between mm-hmm. what you've experienced and what your brain has experienced and just strengthens your ability to get through. So I think, yeah, a lot of leading by example and a lot of just experimenting with trying new things. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting you said that you hired a productivity coach in 2020, and that was one of your first kind of like self-development mentorships on a formal level, Mm -hmm. because I look at all the things you do. You have, what, three businesses that are solely kind of your leading. You have your two stepdaughters. You have life of just being a human, all these different things that are connected. And I'm like, you're pretty productive. You get a lot done. So what are some of the daily habits, weekly habits that you do to really hold all of that and make sure you're getting everything done. And I know you have Brandy now, who's such a big help, but at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. So how are you navigating all the different pieces? Yeah. So one of the first things Renee taught me was that every business can be organized and pretty much any business can be organized into five departments. And so this is also another culinary kind of reference and connection here, but you do like similar tasks together. So if you're cutting up a bunch of apples, you're not going to peel an apple and cut it and core it and slice it and then start the next one. You'll like peel all the apples and then you'll cut all the apples. I organize and we call it time blocking. So I'll organize my days by departments and I've experimented with a lot of different ways to do this. I think it's Steve Jobs famously time blocks in like three minute increments. I don't know how, but I do it day by day. Like Monday is my headquarters day. Tuesday is my operations day. And just like anything, you get in the routine of it and it feels like almost like it runs itself a little bit. It's just like a little autopilot that happens. So I definitely organize my days by like tasks or departments, if you will. I We also talked about time blocking in self-care. So I really do wake up and I try not to start work until 9 or maybe even 10 a.m. sometimes and try to be done by the three or four. 
And when you have that uh, structure there, you're more likely to stick to it. So that's been very helpful with family life and self-care life. So time blocking, self-care, and I've just been great at delegating, automating, asking for help. All of those things make it a lot more manageable. I love that. Now, another parallel between mom life, life, and culinary is things happen, right? And I always think of this analogy of, I didn't come up with this, but somewhere I read, it's thinking of it as like a duck. A duck always looks like so soft and serene on the surface, but they're paddling like heck underneath to get anywhere. And you don't see their legs. You just see this beautiful little gliding duck on the water. And I think that's how so many people want motherhood to look. And sometimes it does. And that's the experience that we're looking to give in hospitality and customer service, right? Is in the back kitchen, it looks totally different than what the table looks like outside. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about maybe some of the wrenches that get have gotten thrown in either your business world or mom life or life in general and how you overcame a situation that was like, oh my gosh, here we go. And I'm yeah. sure there's plenty from like, the event space, but just one that really stands out. Oh gosh, I don't know if, <laughs> well, if I could come up with just one. I'm just envisioning like these catered events that we do, some of the bigger ones where, like you said, we're in the back. Just get it on the plate. Is that how it is? Look at And then I'm just like, ah, and I go out to my server and I'm like, is everything cool? Are they happy? And she's like, it's flawless. It's perfect. I'm like, but are you sure? <laughs> like it seemed pretty chaotic. And she's like, no, they don't notice any of that. They're perfectly happy. Yeah. I'm just like, Okay. So learning to embracing, I guess, some of those wrenches or chaos that and knowing that they're not really as bad as it may seem, but pivoting. I mean, we've had to do that a lot in the last few years with COVID and fire seasons and, and just kids getting sick or what have you. I think just leaning into the time blocking again, self-care, if I feel like I need to decompress and just take a day off, I'm able to rearrange my schedule in such a way. It's a blessing of being a business owner too. Yeah. The restaurant industry kind of has this theme often where it's maybe not always the kindest work environment, but sometimes there is you know, high emotions and you kind of hear these stories of like the head chef screaming at the rest of the team and throwing things around in the kitchen. And I've worked in enough kitchens to know that that's not the case everywhere, but it can be a really high intensity environment. And I would love to hear just like, has there ever been a situation in growing any of your businesses where you had to really take a step back and go like inward and stand up for yourself? And you don't have to give us all the specifics of what happened, but did someone maybe leave a bad review about one of your businesses or put down your name in a certain way or something that ever like took a shot at your confidence and you had to figure out how to get yourself back up and move forward. Yeah. Well, luckily we still have all five star reviews (laughs) and I'm dreading the day (laughs) someone dares to leave anything less than five stars. But, But not that we people clients don't reach out and have some critique. I'm an emotional person and I do tend to take those things personally. I think just learning that you can't please everyone. You hear that a lot as a business owner, something like your mom might tell you or my general manager, she's very wise woman. 
just to not take it so personally. And then, of course, correct action if you can. You can't please everybody. There's a quote I love. It's, you can be the juiciest peach in the world and there's still going to be somebody that hates peaches. And (laughs) I think that like in life and business ownership, that is so important because we can do our best and we can put our best foot forward. And there's still going to be somebody else that's going to say, why did you step right instead of last, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's going to be, you just have to trust in yourself and have that confidence. And I... I think what's interesting about you, I see this specifically in you, but it's so common in ambitious women, is you don't even see yourself taking the action to overcome those things or have that confidence because it's just become second nature. You're like, I just, I have to get dressed today. I have to move forward. I have to keep going. And so, you know, you're not even aware of the things that you do on a daily basis to persevere, to move forward because it just is at this point. It's a way of life. I mean, it is a growth mindset because it's saying like, I'm going to continue forward, right? I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to look at my highest self and what what that means in this situation, right? And if someone's going to come to me with actionable feedback that I can take action on, then I'm going to do that. And like you said, if there's a situation you can correct, you will. But sometimes people just want to complain. Sometimes they just want to like, feel heard or vent or they have something else going on and you have to know when to have that growth mindset of, okay, here's where I can move forward. Here's where I can support and here's where I can't. And here's mm-hmm. where I'm just going to, I have a friend that says bless and release and you can <laughs> bless and release and move forward and kind of just go about your, your day and your business. And I think that I've seen, I haven't been in situations where I've seen any of that negativity you've had to deal with. But I can see the other side of it where I know that you're just like managing what's coming at you in such a such a cool way. I want to talk about your businesses specifically and because there is overlap. You have this event space, you have your catering company, and then you also have a kombucha business. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the kombucha business specifically and how you got started. Oh, yeah. So I love kombucha. I grew up in Mendocino and it's a little be over there if you don't know. <laughs> but brewing kombucha was kind of normal. Like I have a lot of friends that did it and I was just at my friend's house and she's like, trans kombucha I made. And I, I had a sip and it was like the best thing I've ever tasted. So I'm like, what's your recipe? And I just have been brewing kombucha for years and it's so good. And people, you know, my friends would be asking for it. And then I thought, oh, this would be fun. So, you you know, the second fermentation process introduces some fruit juice of some sort. It kind of adds that sugar to get the natural effervescence. And a lot of people use whatever kind of fruit juices they want. They could buy something from the store, juice it themselves, whatever's in season. But I got a hold of some grape juice from our beautiful vineyards out here in Sonoma. It was Carneros Chardonnay. And in a Sonoma Valley Pinot, I had a friend who had some vineyards and he had leftover grapes after harvest. So I went and picked the grapes. I rented a press and like did the whole grape pressing thing in my house and got this beautiful juice and made kombucha with that. And I thought it was just genius. And so I bottled it. I didn't have labels or anything really at that point. It was just kind of for fun as a side project. Of course, when the pandemic happened, I was able to do a little bit more of that just kind of fun projects until events got back up and going. Yeah. And people, I mean, it's just, 
I don't know if you've had a chance to try it yet. I'll have to bring the bottle, but it's very delicious. I haven't had yours. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you some. So I just decided to make it a serious thing. And I kind of, at that point, had been a business owner for a few years. I kind of understood like marketing and who to reach out to to get help on things. So I pulled together kind of quickly. And I had the catering kitchen at that point, which so I you know, had a place to, yeah. to brew it. And I got a website and labels and just got it all taken care of. And so now I have this product that I can sell. And it's really kind of my way of giving back. I don't make a whole lot of money on it. I donate $1 of every bottle sold to a local nonprofit. And it's just been my way to like love the community and support it. That is so cool. Such a fun thing. And to take something that you're like, hey, I like this. My friends like this. There's so many businesses that start that way where you're already doing something and then you're like, oh, maybe I should expand this. Maybe I should make it a little bit more. So you've built so many relationships. You were just talking about how you give back to the community, how you've built these networks. I have just always been amazed with your connections and the places that you are and how you involve yourself into that. I would love to know how that felt entering the role of stepmom. How did you use maybe some of the same skills or completely different skills to really step into this new role and build a relationship with these two little girls that were like, who are you? (laughs) How are you going to come in? Do you feel like it was completely different than the relationship building skills that you've had previously in your business? Or were there some similarities? Oh, man, I think that. One of the hardest things about building relationships with kids is now trying to connect with parents. You know, I still don't know, like, how to ask for a play date. Like, how do I ask them for their number? You know, it's still very an elusive experience for me. But as far as the girls, gosh, they were pretty young when they came into my life. So, yeah, I mean, of course, it was kind of awkward at first, but they're so sweet and they embraced me wholeheartedly. You know, it was... Luckily, it wasn't like that kind of teenage angst, like rebellious against the step parent that you might see, (laughs) like in movies and whatnot. But just spending time together, you know, with building relationships for business, the better the relationship is, it's built on trust, you know, trust and understanding. When you trust someone, you're more likely to do business with them. And so it just kind of worked on on those skills, you know. Kenny, their father helped me tremendously with that. But just spending quality time together, sometimes it's not about business. You know, you might want to meet with one of your winery partners and just not even talk about business, just be a friend. So, you know, it wasn't always parenting and discipline and and whatnot, but just trying to be a friend too. Just kind of building that trust, that personal connection. What are some like tangible activities that you did to do that? Like, I know sometimes you guys go to the driving range, you guys (laughs) play games together. What are some of like the tangible things to build that trust and friendship? Yeah, we love having fun. We definitely go and do a lot of cool things. They love coming to work with me, actually. They love coming to Songbird and running around and helping set up the tables. So I think Allowing them to see me in that capacity too, you know, not just mom, not just friend, but out in the world uh, doing things that I'm passionate about and also support our family has been really instrumental in building like a more cohesive family unit. And uh, 
I, I remember too in the beginning phases of our new family. I loved being with them at bedtime. So we would read, I would read to them every night and we'd go with the same story. So they always were curious what's going to happen next. And that kind of built like a routine. So they got used to us having a relationship together that was independent of their father as well. It was something that we did together that was like our secret, like little club almost. And also just being there at bedtime and in the morning time, I think is important too. They're just in a different mode. It's more of like a nurturing time. So they see that you're there to be a part of their their wellness and their sleeping and they're getting ready for bed and getting ready in the morning. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the other outings and activities that you guys do or things that you do in the house? I love the bedtime example because reading and bedtime is something like everyone can implement. Do you guys mm-hmm. go to any special like hikes, adventures or play games or anything like that? Yeah, we play piano together. We have a piano oh, here it. and I'm taking lessons so I can have our 10-year-old Penelope follow along and she's the natural at it. It's really impressive to see. But they love tic-tac-toe, Candyland, chess. We go and ride bikes together. I love to travel, so I try to bring the whole family when we can. So we've been to quite a few places and with us. But they love cooking in the kitchen. We've made homemade pasta and cheese and cookies. I think sometimes we overcomplicate like how to connect and how to build mm-hmm. those relationships. And it can be just these small, simple things. So I love some of those examples. Before we wrap up, I know we have to get out of time because you have so many things you have to go do. (laughs) But a couple more questions for you. Before we do that, what are all the different places that people can follow you, connect with you, and stay in your world? We're trying to be pretty active on Instagram. So you can follow me at Good Gracious Eats. And that's my catering and private chef's account. And I love Sonoma. And I'm always bragging about Sonoma and showing off our little town. So you can kind of learn a lot about that there. And then our event venue is at Songbird Parlor and it's spelled O-U-R, the old English way. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a gorgeous site if you want to just see really cool inspiration for weddings and florals and interior design. And then Valley of the Moon Kombucha is my little uh, kombucha Instagram. But those all those are all the websites as well. Goodness gracious eats.com, songbirdparlor.com, belly of the moon, kombucha.com. We'll make sure to link all that down below too. Yeah. Now you've accomplished so many things, like we said, from the actual titles you've received to the businesses you've started to being an employee and so much more and stepmom. What is next? What are you currently really excited about? What is something that you're working towards as we get into 2024? Oh, man, I just excited. I feel like our growth trajectory has just been exponential. Brandy and I are working on a book, so I can have more details for you as we get further into the year and that kind of transpires. But we're really excited about that. Brandy is an incredible writer, wordsmith. And then we're looking to open a restaurant. So that will probably happen the beginning of this year sometime soon. So gosh, just, just always, we're just so excited about what we do. It's hard not to just have all these projects in the pipeline. I've been getting into consulting a little bit more and helping other businesses and hospitality businesses 
uh, grow as well. You could probably see a lot more of that from me. But yeah, that, that should keep us busy. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Quite a bit. Now, if you were to leave our listeners with just one piece of advice to go after their goals, to take that next step, to push when you are feeling maybe not confident or uncomfortable and you're stepping into the unknown, what is one thing that they could start with or do today with what they have to really muster up that courage and confidence to pursue it? This is something that someone told me once that has really helped me because when you are starting something new, a business, a family, it could be very nerve wracking and stressful. And a lot of those feelings can keep people from moving forward. So the feeling of excitement and nervousness are actually pretty intertwined. So whenever I'm feeling just like anxious or nervous or kind of scared about leaping and doing something, reaching out to someone, what have you, I think, oh, maybe this is excitement, not nervousness. And I trick my brain into feeling really excited about it instead of nervous or stressed or fearful of it. So I think if you could harness kind of the power of that inner motivation there, it could be quite fun to actually step into those unknowns. Mm, I love that. Lauren, thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait to see what 2024 brings you and to see your restaurant and all of the amazing things that you've already created. Just take it to the next level. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kelsey. It's really an honor to, to have some of your time and speak with you. Oh, it was great. Love hearing your story and connecting with you always. Sometimes the smallest act of love is all a mom needs to feel reinvigorated. If you can relate to that, I'd feel so supported by your five-star rating and written review. Take a moment and let me know what you thought about this episode.